0: Welcome to the special Halloween edition of the Cinema Dump And joining me today is the very spooky... Adam Camp Yes
1: Ooh. Was that a ghost? Or it... two very gay men? <laughs> I think I think it was a little of both, yeah Mincing around in the... Uh... We're essentially in your closet right now
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> Mincing around <laughs> Anyway, we decided, uh, well... Uh, I'd decided uh, because I can't make decisions on my own. Um for our Halloween special we were going to open the vaults of horror, were we not?
1: Yes, and by that we don't mean Richie's underdrawers. No, 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 no. I'm with that no yeah I am wearing underpants I, I, I just kind of looked down there did there. You? yeah I didn't, didn't see any horror was it like staring into the eyes of a Lovecraftian looking into the mouth of madness yes, <laughs> indeed anyway what
0: we plan on doing is we, uh, uh, what we thought we would do anyway well, initially what we were going to do in fact was um, start right back at Pretty much the beginning of cinema, or the beginning of horror cinema. And um, look at each decade's most important films, or our favourite films from that decade. And what we were going to do originally was talk about the worst of the decade as well. But I think
1: that'd just be too hard. I think it'd be too easy. We'd just spend too long talking about shit I suppose films. that's what I mean by too hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just
0: We would just go, well, this one's terrible, and this one's terrible, and then talk in great detail, <laughs> and it would end up like a six-part episode. But, um the best place to start I think and, uh, is the beginning of horror cinema which you know some would argue is is the 1910s 1910 to 1920 yes uh, you were saying you're not very familiar with this period yeah
1: you? yeah. I don't know why I suggested this as an idea because I know fuck all about the 1910s well. or 20s in terms of horror cinema I know of, I know of the main history of the period but yes. I, in terms of us discussing a film that happened then I'm, I'm a bit shit out of luck well I'll tell you about some of them. All right, then. Okay. Well, the first one, really, uh,
0: the first big, well-known horror film, I suppose, of, of 1910 was, was uh, Frankenstein, which is quite famous for two reasons, really. Well, three, I suppose. One, it was the first film adaptation of Frankenstein. Um, second, uh, Edison's company was responsible for making it. And third, it was lost for many moons. Um It's obviously, as most of these films, are public domain, so you can find it on loads of websites. In fact, you'll probably be able to find it on YouTube. Uh, I advise you to check it out. It's kind of interesting. It very much goes for a... um, It goes for a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing to it. I mean, there's one shot in it, if I remember correctly, where... Do, uh, Dr. Frankenstein is looking into his... Is he a doctor or professor in this? Don't know. Anyway, Frankenstein is l- looking into his uh, he's mirror.
1: A, he's a young student, which is, he student is what still? he was in the original novel. In the novel. original
0: novel, yeah. right. Well, he's looking into a mi- the, the mirror and there's a lot of really early special effects in it and basically it, it, his image in the mirror slowly changes into that of the monster. It's meant to be, I suppose, implying his. You know, Who's
1: are, the real monster? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah,
0: pretty much <laughs> um, But yeah, it's very, it's, it's interesting It's a very interesting film This was also the decade that where um, we, we got the first couple of uh, Jekyll and Hyde films, in fact uh, There's some good ones um, I don't think I've seen the ones out of the 1910s, to be honest Because uh, we've got, what have we got? We've got one in 1910, haven't we? And then we've got another one in 1913 I think we, the best one the one I've seen the two I've seen I think are from the 20s
1: I'm sorry I'm just looking at um, I'm looking in my mind at my encyclopedic knowledge of these films yeah Um, and uh, the uh, the 1913 Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde directed by Herbert Brennan has somebody called King Baggett acting in it click on his name in your mind in my mind yeah (laughs) Um, William King Baggett was an American actor director and screenwriter there you go wow Um, is that his real name or is it a nickname is it in I think that's his real name Yeah, Baggard was was referred to as King of the Movies the most photographed man in the world and the man whose face is as familiar as the man in the moon oh Um, dear he was in 269 motion pictures from 1909 to 1947 nah Christopher Lee's been among that he has (laughs) Christopher Lee kick his ass. we'll (laughs) talk about him
0: later oh yes when we get to the 50s I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about Mr Lee Um, yeah uh, the the other films really which stand out to me in the 1910s because I, I got into like silent Um, cinema, uh, quite a while ago actually mainly like the German expressionist stuff um, the horror stuff really Mm. Um, and one of my favourite films of all time, in fact there's a poster on the wall of it over there, is uh, The Cabinet of Dr Caligari from 1919 which I would say undoubtedly is the best film of of the 1910s, easily, easy peasy it baffles me why someone hasn't remade this in the modern age to be honest I think there was a low budget remake made of it but I just, I don't, it's, not, it's such a good film, I just don't understand why someone has not remade that film. It, it, it is basically like, when you say German Expressionism to people, it, I mean, it, it really is, this film is it, you know.
1: It's that iconic design, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, Again, I haven't seen The Cabinet of Dr Caligari, but I know of it because of its influence in cinema, and yeah, the yeah. style was really... Painted shadows, and yeah. painted backdrops, and everything very angular and goes off to a point. Well, you can see it sort of influencing people like Burton in modern cinema. He said it himself. What, yeah, does, does he write? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. check me out. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, it's um, it's a great
0: film. It's very, 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 very good. Um, and uh, who starred in? It? I can't remember the guy who played. Carl oh, Guy's it was name. well,
1: clearly uh, oh, the 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 cast from my memory were uh, One of were these German names. the Krauss. Yeah. Conrad Veit. Uh-huh.
0: Conrad Weit is a very famous actor and he's in um, a very good film from the 1920s as well which we will talk about
1: uh, Friedrich Fair Yeah. Lil Dagover Lil Dagover sounds like some kind of um, American country and western singer <laughs> Lil Dagover Lily Dagover <laughs> and Hans Ah, uh,
0: you may as well tell us who directed it as well
1: uh, it was directed by Robert Wiener I'm guessing Wiener yeah, something along those lines The name. Yes <laughs> Well
0: Okay, shall we move on to the 1920s? Let's do that Right, well The 1920s Also started with The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari Yeah And the reason for this I do believe Is I think it was shot in 1919 And then shown in 1920 And I, th- I do believe From reading about it There's a bit of debate About when it was actually First seen mm. Um so it sort of straddles both of those years it's very odd if you read up on it some books say 1919 and some say 1920 right I don't know Um what does it say there Uh
1: it's in both it's in both it's, isn't it in my mind. Um, in mind it's uh it's a 19 uh, film and a twen- 1920 it's got on here yeah if I have a look at the finer details of my memory <laughs> Um <laughs> it's a
0: veritable production. database <laughs> yeah Uh I
1: think it was shot in Filming took place during December 1919 in January, and January and 1920. The film premiered at the Marmor House in Berlin on February 26, 1920. 20. So it's a 20s film. It's a 20s film, by all standards, really. Yeah, I suppose. Well,
0: if you want to count it as a 20s film instead of a 10s film, it's got some stiff competition in this decade, to be honest, uh, because obviously this is the decade that we got uh the original phantom of the opera yep. which is st- a stone cold classic um i don't even need to really talk about that if you don't know about the phantom of the opera then or oh, you haven't seen it go and watch it because it's uh, it's kind of kind of awesome um what else do we have we had obviously the mighty nosferatu in this yes. in this decade which is also one of my favorite films of all time just unbelievable film have you seen shadow of the vampire
1: Uh, no I've heard it is well worth watching yeah it's good fun Yeah, Yeah,
0: you should watch it Um, for those that don't know Shadow of the Vampire is a film starring um, John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe and Mm. it was made if I remember correctly I think Nick Cage produced it now yeah you'll have to look that up Um, and it was made in in association with the BBC as well I do know that Um, but basically it is um, a dramatisation of the making of Nosferatu Um, and um, it implies that uh, F.W. Marnow, the director um, hired a real vampire to play the role in it um, (laughs) by actor Max Schreck um, which is kind of an interesting idea I think and this all stemmed from the fact that Max Schreck was basically an early I don't think it was called um, method then but he was um, I think he was from the Russian school so he it stayed in character quite a lot um, there's a very, very famous photo of him sat on set, um, which is kind of creepy. If you look on uh, online, you'll find it. Um, but um, no one knows where he where what he'd done beforehand, and not a lot of people knew what he did after it. So obviously, rumours start to go around. We, we now know obviously what he did beforehand and his real name and all of this sort of thing. And um, but yeah, uh, obviously it's a it's a good it's a good uh, idea for a film. Which uh, yeah, they, they did. Did you find any Nick yes, Cage Yes,
1: yes. Produced by Nicholas Cage. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh...
0: Another reason to check it out. Not
1: the bees! <laughs> oh no,
0: we'll 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 talk about that film later on. <laughs> God damn. Um, yeah, another couple of um, honourable mentions in this decade are um, um, I don't know because I've forgotten. Uh, Faust. Faust was a great film. Yeah. Um, well worth checking out. Uh, Hexen was another good one. Um, that is one that was banned for many many moons because of its um. Uh, links to well it's it's spelled Hexen but it's obviously got umlauts so I do believe it's Hexen I right uh, yeah. where, where is it first? Um, it's in
1: 1922
0: 1922 yes uh, it's, it's too far it's you care, yeah just before oh, us yes. right there, there you go Yeah. See, we've got, we've got a huge list of films here it's uh, kind, of, kind of useful but um,
1: it's Danish title uh, the Danish title is Hexen yeah uh, English title The Witches or Witchcraft Through the Ages yeah. so it's um I'm guessing uh was, was burned because of its representation of witchcraft and yeah, Satanism yeah. and yeah, pretty yeah. much
0: that was it. That was pretty much it. Um that's a great film as well. Um what else? What else was in this one? Um nothing that I can really really pick out that I was a massive fan of. I've seen a lot of them, but Yeah. Let's move on to the thirties the golden era of horror this is where it, this is where shit started getting real
1: yeah <laughs> where men started wearing costumes and yeah
0: <laughs> and talking
1: instead and of just flapping their <laughs> arms around in a theatrical style and Bella started to Lugos <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means I've just made Bella Lugosi's name into a noun and a verb
0: well I can't remember what his real name was It his real name was oh god I'm sure he named himself after the town he was born in or something like that. I can't remember now. I don't Uh, know these things. I mean, what
1: what I'm getting is, I'm I'm looking at the poster for White Zombie at the moment. Yeah. Um, And the the tagline for White Zombie is, with these zombie eyes, he rendered her powerless. With this zombie grip, he made her perform his every desire. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something Ed Wood would have knocked out in the 60s, is (laughs) not it?
0: 30s, little bit rapey. (laughs) Little, tiny bit rapey, yes. Um... Yeah, so the, yeah, there's some. I mean, God, there's some good films in this. Some of my favourite films of all time are made in the '30s, um, and to be fair, most of them are directed by the uh, the great James Whale. Um, yes. Good film made about him. If you haven't seen it, Gods and Monsters. Have you seen it?
1: Yes. Uh, he star uh, Ian McKellen. Yes, Ian McKellen. James McKellen as well. Yes,
0: and uh, uh, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yes, and, yeah. it was, and it interestingly produced by Clive Barker. Ah. yeah, so there you go. A um, little, little bit of cinema dump trip. Yeah, I a little was. bit of cinema dump trip. I, I th- the reason I'm thinking he was so, so interested is because James Whale was one of the first people working in Hollywood that it was widely known he was homosexual. Mm. Uh, and he worked in the field of horror, and Clive Barker works in the field of horror and is openly homosexual. So I think I, I think maybe that is one of the reasons why he wanted to do it. I think he, he sort of yeah. could relate to him a bit. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's a good film, watch it. Uh but he directed um in the thirties he directed obviously Frankenstein, which is brilliant. It's not a lot like the book. No. But, <laughs> but it's brilliant. Um starring Boris Karloff. And, yes. Uh, that was a yeah, that was a great film. Um and Colin Clive hamming it up all the way through. Um
1: is the it's the classic um It's live. Yeah It's yeah. alive, yeah. And...
0: Yeah. Um that th- this was a film that was cut heavily when it was first released as well. There was one famous scene that was wasn't seen until the eighties, I believe. Right. It's the scene where the monster sees a little girl playing by the river, and she's throwing flowers into the river, and they're floating. And he comes over, childlike, and he sits down with her, and she, she, like a child does, she's not scared by him, and she just wants to play. And he sits down next to her, and he's throwing the flowers in too. And then you see him sort of like gleefully think, "Well, they float. I wonder if she floats." So he picks her up and he throws her in the water and then the next shot you basically see is them like getting the girl's body out of the, of the water right and they said it was too shocking at the time to show a, a child being murdered essentially on it's screen it's hilarious yeah it? <laughs> um, but that it seems really famous and um, yeah I think it was the 80s until that scene was put back in and they cut a lot of the lines about um, uh, Colin Clive saying um, by God now I know what is it by God now I know how it is to know how no now I know how it feels to be a God he says something like that after that. It's, right. it's Alive to Alive and they cut that as well with they didn't actually cut it they overdubbed it with light, oh well it's thunder sound effect so you couldn't hear the dialogue
1: so uh, yeah it's got um, uh, the, the line they considered blasphemous one that yeah. occurred during Frankenstein's exuberance when he first learns this creature is alive the original line was it's alive it's alive in the name of God now I know what it feels like to be God yeah um, so they, they, they cut that and there were lots of other cuts as well including that scene where he, he drowns a little girl by yeah. hurling her into a lake
0: yeah which Yeah, they they did. They cut a lot of stuff. There was um, some scenes uh, deemed too violent. There's a ridiculous point in it where um, his helper, um, I do believe he's called Fritz, um, basically the the sort of hunchback character, um, he... um, No, he doesn't do this, so I'm getting confused here. Sorry, it's one of the other characters who's at the castle with him injects the monster when he starts kicking off to put him to sleep. In they in close up with the syringe gun, and they cut the close up with the syringe. So when you watch it without that close up, it just imp- looks like they're fighting him, and then he gets really
1: tired and <laughs> falls over. It's kind of it stupid all the time. In all fights. the time. All the um, time. What, something to mention because we're going, we're listening these films. We're, I mean, but the uh, the horror element of them, I think, is something that's important. So if something yeah. was heavily censored at the time, does that suggest it was groundbreaking and it was pushing boundaries, which is mm. what horror should do really yeah it's yeah. what you used to do it doesn't anymore yeah used to <laughs> and we'll talk about that i think when we get to it oh when we get
0: to the 90s i'm sure that'll come yes yeah, so it'll come up um no yeah i i think you got a good point there it um it's yeah it's kind of odd isn't
1: it because i mean like to have um a character in a horror film mm. kill a little girl under modern context it still be very shocking You'd yeah. be looking at Maybe like an 18 Depending on how it was I suppose yeah Filmed yeah. so It's Way ahead of it's time I suppose yeah, yeah. If you
0: look at it In the, the mindset of the People of the 30s It would would be Extra <laughs> Super duper shocking I think Yeah
1: mm. And they would have gone home And beaten their wives Extra hard Yeah yeah giving Exactly Giving their son some cigarettes And, <laughs> and all Sent them off to well. war <laughs>
0: <laughs> And all would have been well Um <laughs> The other early '30s uh, groundbreaking horror film um, is uh, Dracula, yes, which everyone knows. Everyone knows, for, you know, being the film which made Bela Lugosi a worldwide sort of known name. Um, directed by Todd Browning, um, and I do believe I can't remember the guy's name now, but it'll come to me later on. The guy who did the cinematography for it, who um, got a lot of recognition at the time because yeah. he he did a lot of uh, moving camera shots in it. Uh, he went out to direct The Mummy the Boris Karloff version as well I yeah. can't remember the guy's name now um, and uh, yeah these Freund. Freund that's it and the interesting thing about um, the Dracula film which uh, actually it's really interesting is they shot two versions at the same time um, during the day it, on the sets uh, Todd Brown's crew would go on and shoot the film yeah on the evenings a Spanish crew and actors would go in and shoot the exact same film but in Spanish with different actors and debatably debatedly debatedly uh, I lost my fucking debatably yes thank you I lost my sense of speech there. my powers of speech in fact oh god it's all going wrong for me I'm arguably I'm, would I... be
1: the easier way arguably <laughs> yeah thank
0: you <laughs> I'm Alan Jones it's all gone wrong for me um no uh, the Spanish version is better right it's, it's a far more well made film er uh, but yeah people check it out if you're curious um it's it's it is pretty damn good. Like I must say, it's called dispensary. El Dracula. <laughs> El Dracula, <laughs> Arriba. <laughs> um, well, it, also South in Albania, th- I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> also in the thirties, uh, James Wilf, uh did one of the early sequels. He did uh, Bride of Frankenstein, which uh, a lot of people, um, you know, regard as being the.
1: A lot of people blend into their, the original Frankenstein because I picture her with mm. the with the white streaks and yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, I think to a lot of people as iconic as the original yeah um, 30s Frankenstein's monster. Well, it, it's a
0: great film. A lot of people, a lot of people think it is a you know a better film. Um, for me, I don't know. I'm not sure to be honest. I. Uh, there's just something about the first one that I like a lot I, I don't like James Wales th- was known for having quite a few comedic moments in some of his films mm. and what people would now call sort of sort of high camp um, <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't mind that in them I didn't mind them, them at all but I think he ramped it up a bit more in the second one than he did compared to the to the first one um, and I, I don't know it just didn't sit right on me because one of the other films he directed in the 30s which is easily in my top 3 films of all time mm. is The Invisible Man which has got some ridiculous silly funny moments in it but I can take it with that I think it was just the 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 ch- the, the change of mood was too much between Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein for me and it's just sort of like
1: it was it was like going from Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2 to Dead by Dawn yes <laughs> yeah it was it's a different feel without it's, Tree Rep and yeah yeah all of the oddness <laughs> it's um yeah so uh
0: yeah, I think I still prefer the first one. It's um, it's an amazing film. See, I I have quite a fond, I have quite fond memories and a soft spot for the early sort of '30s the the um, uh, Universal films, mm. which most people would sort of argue start with in the '20s with Phantom of the Opera. Um, but uh, I, I've been thinking about this lately. Why do I like them so much? And I was I was thinking to myself, is it the acting? Is it the craft? What is it about it? And I think what it is is just the atmosphere they have like a really good feel to them yeah like a really good sense of place when you're watching them and I, and i don't know it's it's just that um spooky film sort of feel that you don't I don't get too often in modern films at all, but there's a mood
1: rather than a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean there was heavy there was heavy looks in them, but um yeah, it's the mood, it just felt But I mean I, for me, like the the look and the aesthetic of the film would contribute to the mood it's yeah. I suppose, creating, yeah, yeah whereas yeah, I there's a lot of modern horror that is, you know, they've they've watched a lot of horror films as teenagers and film students and they're just copying the shots. Oh yeah. yeah. They're just going doing it by the numbers. Yeah. Um but yeah I mean I have I, 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 with, with modern horror in particular I I remember having a conversation with you a while ago when I was just I'd, I'd given up on the genre because mm-hmm. I, I used to be a complete horror nut Yeah, and I remember saying to you a while ago when was the last good intelligent grown up horror film that had something to say yeah. and I think we went back ended up going back to the 80s but I mean I know I'm sort of skipping ahead in what we're doing tonight but yeah. That was the issue I had, and it's the issue I still have a bit with with modern horror. Yeah, Um, but going back to here, this is when the genre was born. This was when they were saying, you know, we are making a scary film, therefore we're going to shit people up, and they've never been shit up by a film before. So let's have some fun. Well, I mean, Frankenstein actually. The
0: Frankenstein opens with um, I can't remember the actor's name now. Ah, crap! He plays one of the characters in Frankenstein. Comes on stage in front of a curtain. Mm. Like he's stepping in front of the audience and basically gives the audience a warning that the film is going to be scary and like nothing they've ever seen.
1: Is this where the Simpsons got their Treehouse of Horror yes, with Marge from? On. With Marge coming yeah. on and telling everybody it's going to be really scary. Yes, and, right. Yes.
0: And he came on and he basically says, you know, it's, it's going to be really scary, nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, you know, um, I've warned you, basically. That's and awesome. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of like how scary they thought these things, well they were to, to people then really scary um, yeah. but going back to this sort of feel of these films this mood this setting which I kind of liked for me the best example in the 30s was another James Whale film and that was The Old Dark House which is brilliant it's like it is an absolutely fantastic film uh, Boris Karloff was in it again this was before Boris Karloff was allowed to talk so he has no dialogue he just grunts Um. But a brilliant, brilliant film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is really good. And this film does um it basically does uh, the mood thing a uh, really heavy way. It takes place in this old dark house. It's the it's the classic story. Um some people are driving through I think it's Wales they're in actually. Driving through mm, Wales. Dangerous yeah, country. Dangerous yeah. country although the people who live in the house are Welsh that's kind of weird they're English <laughs> but they're driving to the country their car breaks down in this ridiculously heavy like thunderstorm and they have to stay in this house overnight with these peculiar people and throughout the entire film you can hear rain and thunder and that adds to the mood of it it's just that um, I don't know that that that, that sense of atmosphere that it just carries all the way through the film yeah, which makes it just for me just brilliant I can just put it on and just not even really take any much notice of what's going on with it I just sort of and, and be in it if you know what I mean It's it's got a really cool feel to it um, that's why I like James Will alright then so one, <laughs> he's, one, he's one of my favourites there we go A star well done see me after class um, what else did we have in the 30s I because I just bollocked on about James Will for a while and right totally in lost the 30s oh, we had, um, we're sorry we had Son of Frankenstein which is also very worth uh, talking about it wasn't directed by James Whale and Bela Degosi's in it as well because Bela Degosi was originally going to be playing Frankenstein's monster but he yeah and,
1: and he uh, he said any extra can play this part so yeah. they got an extra yeah pretty much uh, yeah. and made him do it and he turned out to be really famous yeah so.
0: yeah. yeah well he'd done a lot of films before and Karloff and apparently James Whale saw him in the cafeteria at Universal and I think the line was something like um, your face has many striking possibilities I think that's what he said something along <laughs> those lines and yeah they made, they made Frankenstein but um no, you're striking or good-looking. <laughs> no, no, you're. Um... I could use that face. Well, he used to. He used to have a lot of problems getting roles, Boris Karloff, because he had quite dark skin. Because there was Indian blood in his family, right? And obviously, at the time, people were just like, Ooh, nah, none of that." So he'd get cast as well. He got cast as the mummy, didn't he? Because obviously, yeah. with his sort of um, darker skin, he could pass uh, for the complexion of Egyptians, you know. Yeah. So that's where a lot of that came from. But obviously, that well, that was a little bit further ahead. Um. I just spotted something at the corner there and then and then completely forgot oh no white zombie you, you mentioned the post you saw that, that that's yeah. a classic it's i mean it's it looks like shit now it's just there's not a good print in that film at all it just looks like shit but um another kind of kind of great film um the early um the early zombie the one that wasn't you know under romero yeah zombie. not the romero zombie yeah. it was the um Uh, sort of voodoo style hypnotised yeah yeah, sort of thing we did do an entire podcast about these but it was lost yeah disappeared don't know why we'll get back to zombies at some point (laughs) we have a lot to say
1: about them well we did say a lot about them yeah we did it was was, was, uh, stunning work yeah the
0: lost the lost episode
1: (laughs) well yeah um, you also had
0: uh, freaks as well Todd Browning's yep. um, very peculiar film which really puzzled a lot of people. Um, uh,
1: it was seen as incredibly shocking, wasn't it? Yeah. Um yeah. Don't they, doesn't it culminate in uh, all the freaks in this travelling show taking revenge on. Oh, on uh, on a. Uh,
0: what you would, I suppose, call the able bodied woman in, in the carnival years. But she's basically yeah. trying to, if I remember correctly, she's trying to. Um, there's a very small chap, um, one of the. Um, Main characters, and she's trying to get in with him because he's quite rich and all those tits up and whatnot. And yeah, there's a very creepy scene of like one of the characters who I think he has no arms and no legs. Mm. And he's it's pissing down rain, and there's got all of the sort of um, you know the the classic looking wooden uh, um, wagons, sort of carnival wagons. Yeah, and the rain's lashing down in the mud. And he's just obviously just this torso with a head, he's got a knife in his teeth, and he's sort of like. Wheeling from under one of these, oh and it's yes, like, oh yeah, my absolutely. God, and all you see all of the what you would what dubbed the freaks in the film all you know making the way through this sort of muddy, yeah, and it's like oh, eh. <laughs> um, it's a great film, it's really good, um, do you, do you but, yeah.
1: think it was um in any way exploitative
0: <laughs> kind of, but Todd Browning's entire point with the film was you know who who is the freak? Who are the monsters in this? Is it because the- they're not made out to be horrible for the first part of the film? Yeah, um, yeah, for the first
1: part, but they turn yeah, that's, out that's, to be horrible. Well,
0: not so much horrible because she, the woman who they're they getting is a, an evil, you know, right. piece of work. That is where that is where he does stumble. Um, he he does handle it a bit too heavy handed at the end with their revenge, yeah, because it's done in a way, are they horrible? Look, yeah, look at them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um but it is a good film it's worth checking out definitely worth checking out Um, yeah we did mention um, we mentioned uh, The Mummy Uh, that's another classic with Karloff and Karloff just had a good time in the uh, in the 30s he certainly did have a good time I presume
1: his German sounding name didn't suit him well at the end of the 30s
0: no (laughs) Karloff yeah Boris Karloff I suppose it didn't did it his um,
1: real name's Henry
0: Pratt I do believe his real name was I think I'd have
1: gone back to using that between 39 uh, and 45 yeah yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah,
0: he did. He got a, he got a lot of work. He he was in the. Um, if I've got it, oh, I just received an email. How exciting! Um, he was in. Was it the Raven? In the thirties. I don't know if it was. We've went quiet. Ooh. Mm, uh, dead air. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was the Raven and the Black Cat. Two films starring Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff brilliant films watch them both fantastic um, They, I, I do believe they're both about an hour long so go for a Karloff Lugosi sandwich you know, yeah double bill um, I mean yeah check that poster out there, there's a classic poster for you brilliant there yeah. Richard it's an audio podcast uh, I'm, I'm talking to you though <laughs> you know um, that the black cat ends with, with um, Bela Lugosi's character flaying Boris Karloff alive nice and it's all done in uh, shadow cast against a wall right it's awesome really 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 good film um, I think we should probably move on because there's just too much to talk yeah. about in, 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 uh, in the 30s um, I'll just finish by saying uh, that um, The Invisible Man is probably my favourite from that period Um, I just love it it's just so over the top and so it's very English it's very English Um, it's just invisible because it's very polite (laughs) yes (laughs) alright well let's move on to the 40s oh one of the very early one of the first werewolf films in fact was in the 30s Wealth of London not a particularly good film but you know worth it for the sort of history aspect of it all I suppose yeah well the 40s the 40s is sort of worth things start to take a turn for the worse there's still some good stuff there's some great stuff but this is where later on in the, in the 40s well early on in the 40s you started getting a lot of the, the, basically studios were sussing on that they could make money out of horror so they were just churning loads of stuff out most yeah. of it starring uh, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi most of the time um, uh, I'm
1: just noticing that there's one called uh, Spooks Run Wild yes I presume the precursor to Girls Gone Wild look, uh, look who
0: stars in Spooks Gone Wild oh
1: yes it's Bella Lugosi Bela Lugosi yeah
0: he was in a lot of stuff um, yeah uh, lift up your sheets ladies <laughs> 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 Yeah, get he, your chains out he was basically <laughs> exploited throughout this, this entire period uh, one thing I should mention actually is in the 30s when they made Son of Frankenstein it's, apparently the story goes that um, they got Bela Lugosi cheaper than everyone else and um, Basil Rathbone who starred in that mm. and um, Boris Karloff both basically said we refuse to be in this film unless you give him fair pay so that's right. kind of cool and, and and most people say that it's probably Bela Lugosi's best role he ever played in of Frankenstein*. it's very very good uh, that's where the name Igor comes from from Right. Well, I do believe it's go but no, fuck it. Anyway, yeah, um a lot of a lot of kahlof and a lot of Lugosi in the uh in the 40s. Um and just to pick up on a few of them. I mean, ooh, what have we got? Uh we had the sequel to the Invisible Man. Uh The Mummy's Hand is a good one. Uh, we had uh, the version of uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde starring Spencer Tracy. Yeah, which is kind of a, it that's good, that's a good film. Um King of the Zombies I don't think I've seen King of the Zombies maybe we should watch that we should watch that and in 1941 we had uh, the stone cold classic The Wolfman which made yes. a very you know made a, a household name out of Lon Chaney Jr yeah. um, that's a great film a lot of people always presume well a lot of people I know presume that it came out in the 30s with the, the you know the, the classic Batch
1: the classic Universal yeah, Monsters yeah. Yeah. I mean
0: it's like Creature from the Black Lagoon isn't until the 50s Yeah but It's always it seems counted
1: to... as the same yeah, you, yeah. you think 30s monster movies and yeah. they're, always, they're always lumped
0: in there together uh, But yeah The Wolfman's a great film um, Why they ever thought they had to remake it I do not know
1: Well there have been I mean Technically there's been many iterations of The Wolfman hasn't there Yeah but there was a direct remake there was remake. that direct remake I haven't seen it I've heard it's shit Is it shit?
0: It's Pretty poor, um, but mainly because of the acting in it. To be honest, uh, Benicio del Toro. Loads of people were saying online that he just, like saying with no joke intended, is he drunk? <laughs> he just he just
1: seems there's just nothing behind his character at all. Um, kind of weird, really weird. It was one of them that went through extensive rewrites and reshoots, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was directed by the
0: guy who did uh, Captain America. What's he called again? What's his name now? I'm sure it'll come to us later on. Anyway, that is a, that is a that is a great film. Um and uh, I Walked With a Zombie was another one from this period which is good Um, John Carradine pops up a lot in the 40s as well John Carradine and his I mean what you'll notice about most of these these actors really apart from Boris Karloff who really sort of I think was in fairly decent stuff until the end of his life really he did do some shit later on but most of them you'll notice their careers just went they didn't know how to do anything but horror yeah so, like, Lon Chaney Jr. just ended up in some unbelievable schlock. I mean, like, just sad stuff. Yeah. Um, Carradine was the same. And uh, Bella Lugosi as well. Yeah, classic just, yeah. example of... You know, obviously with Edward like we spoke about... Do you, do you
1: think it was to do with the, the, the cheapness of horror and how hammy it all was that... These guys, these iconic guys like Bella Lugosi, they get stuck in doing. Yeah, this this is my thing. I put my arm up and I clench my hands and I stare. Yeah, and uh, they get them for all these something and just go, yeah, yeah, just just do the thing, Bella. Just do yeah. it. Just do that. And, well, I think uh, that's
0: what it was. I think I think in some cases, perhaps some of them. Couldn't do anything other than horror. They just weren't. Their range wasn't as, as yeah. good. And I think in in other cases like Bela Lugosi's, they were typecast and weren't given the opportunity but to do it anything was else before
1: people knew about typecasting. I'm guessing. I suppose <laughs> it was.
0: Yeah, I suppose it was. Um, I think we had a couple of more Frankenstein films in the uh, in the forties. Uh, they got progressively worse. I do believe one of them starring Bela Lugosi as the monster, if I remember correctly. No, no, it was Lon Chaney as the monster. Bella Lugosi played the monster later on.
1: Yeah, House of Frankenstein. House of Frankenstein. Directed by Earl Kenton.
0: Yeah. Uh, who was who played the monster in that one? Was it Lon Chaney?
1: Uh, yeah, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr. Jr.
0: Yeah. And uh, is Bela Lugosi in that one?
1: Uh, no, it's Boris Karloff. Is it? Yeah, Boris Karloff. Hang on, let's have a look at this.
0: Right there, I'm getting confused with my Frankenstein films. Right.
1: American monster horror film starring Boris Oh Co- no, and Lon Chaney Jr. Uh so yeah Dr. Gustav Neiman mm. is Boris Karloff yeah. and he escapes from prison he's yeah. helped by the hunchback Daniel J. Carol Nash, ne- 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 for whom he promises to create a new beautiful body the two the two murder Professor Lampini George Zucco travelling showman and take over his horror exhibit uh. to exact revenge on uh, 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 where's Lon Chaney in this? Oh, he's right. the Wolf Man. I think he's comes the at Wolf the end. Man. Right? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> okay, it. Throw the Wolf They man do. In. They do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the the one I'm thinking
0: of, I can't remember which one it is now, but uh, yeah, it ends with Igor Boris uh, Bela Lugosi's character from *Son of Frankenstein* ends up having his brain put in the body of the monster, which is played by Lon Chaney, but it mm. talks with Bela Lugosi's voice. It's all very silly. It, it's 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 really really. Really, really silly. Um, We got out one of our first spoofs as well in this period, right towards the end, 1948. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh! Yeah. Now, they did quite a good run of these spoofs. They're actually pretty good films, and I think Bela Lugosi was in one of them, I think. It was the last time he played Dracula. Um, Lon Chaney was in one. Um, And I always get them mixed up and sort of merge into each other, but I remember one of them does have a voice-only cameo um, of uh, Vincent Price playing the Invisible Man right at the end Right, there's a floating cigarette just you know in a, they're sat in a boat right at the end of the floating cigarette and the, the Invisible Man starts talking and it's Mr. Vincent Price who yet again we'll have a lot to talk about later on well there's a 40s for you let's do the 50s 50s, 50s. Am, I, am I almost
1: getting to something I can talk we're, extend- we're,
0: to a, for an extended turn about yeah we're getting there this is really the period because of obviously we're getting into like the atomic age of cinema and this is really where like Sci-fi, Sci-fi and horror. horror yeah. yeah, it started to merge a lot, didn't? it There was a lot of the giant monster films and yeah, all of this. Sort Radiation of stuff Radiation
1: has amazing
0: properties for uh, making things proper big, really big. Not very often, very small. Always yeah. really big. Where in where in truth, you know, like the, you know, like the the colossal man would have just got loads of tumors and died in pain. <laughs> Radiation just kills you. <laughs> <laughs> The amazing cancerous man—that just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it, really, does it? But um, yeah, this is this is where we start to get all of the um, yeah. The, those t- the genres are starting to um, blend a little bit. Uh, there's the Vincent Price version of House of Wax, which is a remake. There is an earlier version, mm. uh, which I think was in the '30s, I think. But um, that's a great film. Um, the Vincent Price version of House of Wax—that's a really good film. Yeah, it was one of the first ones that really started to make Vincent Price. N- uh, known really? I think he'd already done the. I think he'd already done um, the Last Man on Earth by this point. I think, um, but yeah, House of Wax was one of the first that really got him sort of well known. Ooh, Godzilla! Godzilla yes. came out in the fifties. Godzilla. He's a monster, so I suppose you know. But is it a horror? I think that's not
1: horror, is it? Not really. It's
0: he's a monster, but yeah, no
1: horror is it? He's he's a bit too big to be a horror. It's more of a. <laughs> we'll talk about Godzilla at a later <laughs> date I
0: think um, yeah we've got another Abbott and Costello film Meet uh, The, the Thing from Another World yeah The Thing so, from
1: Another World precursor to one of my favourite uh, films of all time yeah. which is John Carpenter's The Thing which I do believe is, is mid 80s 80s 82 82 uh, god it's as old as me <laughs>
0: damn oh my god that's depressing
1: Yeah, but uh, Carpenter said took massive inspiration clearly it's a a remake of it but done with passion because he said it it always terrified him as a child Well, they're watching it in Halloween, aren't they? Yeah, they're watching it in Halloween Halloween, uh, and his reasoning for the um, design of the creature in his version was that he was always terrified by that reveal in Thing From Another World where the the guy, was they open the door and he's just there staring at them Yeah but it, again, like I said, it's, it's a guy. And he said what he hated about that was that it was a guy in a suit. Yeah. And he said he wanted to, he thought in the modern age of horror in the 1980s that we need to move beyond a guy in a suit because audiences don't accept it anymore. Well, it,
0: the guy in the original has got kind of a Karloff Frankenstein. Well, actually, not even a Karloff Frankenstein look about I me. Mean, he's got a look of um, David Prowse in the Hammer version of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. One of the Frankensteins a Hammer did with David Prowse and it's that sort of look. He's got the sort of like quite flat, square top of his head, but his head's kind of. Over all Alien y things on. Yeah, it's all peculiar and on. Um no that is a great film. Um We had um the the Quatamus experiment was in the fifties. Yeah. I thought that was actually the early sixties, but I'm totally wrong. And the reason I am totally wrong is because the fifties is obviously the period when um Hammer started coming in yeah. In, in into power, the late the late fifties. Um yeah, you know, pure horror there wasn't a huge amount in the in the 50s really. It, it was a lot of sci-fi horror or just plain sci-fi. Um but uh yeah, we we it's where Terence Fisher started to direct a lot of his films. Uh, you, you know we had like uh what did we have? Oh god, I'm forgetting now. Curse uh, Frankenstein. That was one of Terence Fisher's. Yeah. Um that is a great film. and That uh, that um stars Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and this is where the dream team were formed <laughs> oh yes I think this was the first time they starred in films together I think because I'm I think concerned. so I mean, Dracula was, came after
1: yeah um, uh, the, I mean for me my when when we started getting into the 60s mm. I think that's going to be uh, not my childhood because I wasn't born then but I mean my childhood of watching cheap hammer horror films yeah on telly when I was a kid mm. Um so yeah, once we start getting into the Lee Cushing era, I have a bit more to say. You might do yeah. Uh. <laughs> um yeah,
0: some other notable films from the um from the fifties before we move cuz there's just so many many in, the, in this uh, in this decade we've uh, The Screaming Skull check that outfit because it's one of the worst things you'll ever see in your entire life it's rubbish uh, Roger Corman starts up He it is with Bucket yeah, of Blood Bucket of Blood yeah <laughs> you always get that like, on one of those free DVDs or one of those one pound DVDs because it's like public domain but another film you always get on those DVDs is House on Haunted Hill which I absolutely love mm. um, it's got yet again great atmosphere special effects later on are totally crap but early on it's got a great atmosphere just um you know all these people in the spooky house yeah um, and that's kind of all you need um you have the uh the mighty plan 9 from outer space which we oh yes spoke <laughs> stupid. about in... <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> I love that film um and uh, the fly, the original fly, which is yeah. a brilliant film. Help, um, me, <laughs>
1: help me, help me. Yeah, it he doesn't a... help him,
0: does he? he just... No, he doesn't. Have <laughs> he to throws think... a rock at them. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. I just remember Vincent Price looking confused at this sort of like dude,
1: tiny, I? tiny man in a spider's web.
0: Yeah, it's as a spider's <laughs> crawling towards him. Um, we had the first Dracula film as well. Terence mm-hmm. Fisher yet again. Um, there was some great films. The Blob. You can't go without mentioning the Blob. Oh yes Because yeah, i have to the mention blob. The remake in the 80s Yeah um, that, The original Blob Was um, was a great film Starring Steve McQueen Yeah One of his early roles Ah How interesting Should we move on to a decade You might be able to talk Let's try Let's try Let's do the 60s The swinging 60s Well We're going have to have to Do some clicking And move them through Some of these some of, the, some of these years Oh They did a remake Of The Hands of Orlac. Like I did not know that That's interesting I might have to check that out It might be shit It might not be though um, There's a great great um, Roger Corman film came out in uh, 1960 um, uh, House of Usher is part of his collection of poor films that he made um, yep. and that is that is a really good film uh, Vincent Price Vincent Price is brilliant at everything he oh, in really. Really, uh,
1: but Black Sunday, uh, but Black seen Sunday. That. we've seen that we saw that at the Night of the Dead they played it at the end ago. of the night didn't they and yeah. it, was,
0: it wasn't the right film for the end of the night I've seen it since and it's great but yeah. when we saw it we were an all night horror um, uh, sort of show uh, in the cinema in Leeds for what was called the Night of the Dead. They haven't done that for years, have they? I thought, is it not still on? Is it? If it is, I, don't I, don't keep I mean,
1: it. it's at Hyde Park picture house. We don't live in Leeds anymore, we don't. so we, we're outside of we are, culture. Yeah.
0: It's true. Uh, yeah, to be fair though, we have the Bradford International Film Festival. And we haven't been to that either, so yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe we're just shit hermits. Well, maybe who don't we not to go anywhere.
0: But yeah, to Mario the film Black Sunday, um, and it was just it was just too slow for the last film. Wasn't yeah, it? Uh, like it was like six in the morning. We'd been there since what, like nine the night before. Midnight it started. With midnight so, yeah, was it? Yeah,
1: actually, it was later than six. It was getting on for nine o'clock. In was the morning. it? Yeah. Oh
0: god. Um, we watched some good films that year as well, actually. Uh, but yeah, that—that's. I've seen it since. It is. I can see why it's a classic, but it is a bit, bit, bit slow. Uh, yeah, Terence Fisher continued with his uh, the you know Brides of Dracula, um, and of course Psycho. Psycho shit of course psycho was yeah. in the 60s debatably yeah. one of the well debatably the the first slasher film really.
1: yeah it was the the know. first first movie about a a a a, a horror within society yeah uh, not a horror that was supernatural or mad scientist mm. or sci-fi or and it was a, just a horrible human being who lived amongst society, yeah, and that scared the shit out of people.
0: Yeah, I know he set this rule, didn't he? You, that you weren't, ali- um, you weren't allowed to come in the film late. If you arrived too late, you weren't allowed into yeah. the film. Um, well, he, um, he, cool. he
1: waited outside the screen at the first screening yeah. with a green light that he shone on people's faces, so that when the photographers took their pictures, they looked like they were physically ill. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. Hitchcock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a card. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, to. You watch Psycho now, and it has dated quite horribly, and it's become so parodied and well known. But it's you you put it into context; it was groundbreaking, it was terrifying. That sort of you know having having a woman having a shower in a film as well was was unheard of, and killing your main character in the first half hour, killing them off straight away, took decades before uh, Tarantino started doing that. And Uh, well, one of the one
0: of the the big homages to it is Scream, isn't it? With um, uh, they're, they're, they're getting Drew killed. Barrymore Drew Barrymore in, uh, getting the uh, first killed. five minutes five yeah. minutes yeah
1: uh, but yeah lots and lots of taboos broken with that film which like I said I think is what horror cinema's purpose is yeah it is, it is. to um well, not necessarily just to break taboos but to do it for a reason to try and push things forward yeah yeah because if you're just breaking taboos then you end up making Postal the movie and
0: uh... oh we keep threatening a Uwe Ball special don't yeah. we, we do. we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that probably on like April Fool's Day or something <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's twat day yeah yeah um, yeah Corman was deep into his sort of um, his poor films in the 60s you he, he got the pit and the pendulum as well uh, yeah you know Terence Fisher did the Curse of the Wealth that is a that is a very good film. That uh, Oliver Reed. Uh, yeah. You don't even get a werewolf until like, the last twenty minutes of the film. It's really, really good, though. Um, yeah, there was there was some there was there was some good directors uh, working through through the sixties. It was when I think it was when um, things started to um, move away from the they moved towards sci fi in the fifties and they moved away from it in the sixties.
1: I yeah. think, to some degree. It's interesting as we enter the space age, that they move away from. Sci-fi, yeah, but really old. I guess. Well, it's more the atomic stuff, wasn't it, in the fifties? Mm. You know, the blown up a couple of big bombs uh, a few years before the fifties, and you yeah. think that was the knock-on effect. And yeah, I guess I mean with things like, well, with Psycho in particular, because that's the, I think that I mean with it kicking off the sixties as well. It's yeah. the first time people are going a bit more introspective for their horror and looking at, you know, horrible Ed Gein-y types within society. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Set the template for, like you said, slasher movies in general and modern torture porn. <laughs> oh,
0: God, modern torture fucking porn. Back is shite. <laughs>
1: um, I've just noticed there was a, well, there was
0: a remake of Do- the, the Cabinet of... Uh, it's called The Cabinet of Caligari in the uh, yeah. in 1962, but apparently it bears very little resemblance to the original, so I don't think I'll bother with that one. I think I might ignore it. Um, for two reasons. One, I haven't heard of it, and two, it says it bears no resemblance to the original, so... Uh, kinda. <laughs> uh, and Francis Ford Coppola directed his first feature film in this in this decade. In nineteen sixty three he directed Dementia thirteen, which isn't a very good film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it was a common special. It was never amount ones. to nothing then. No, I know. Frankie Coppola. <laughs> uh
0: what a dick. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's Nicholas Cage is his nephew, isn't he? Uh it yes. Is, yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Coppola yeah. Ah, there you go. Um but yeah, um, dementia Dementia thirteen is a uh, yeah, it's it's common and it's uh, it's one of those ones where you just basically give an up and coming director a camera, give him a couple of rolls of film and off you pop, make a film. Yeah. Shot it in two days or something like that. There you go. Oh my god, the haunting, there's a good film. Robert Wise That is a great film. It is the the, the peak of the um the haunted house genre, I think, <laughs> genre as it were. Um you what's really interesting about um, Robert Wise directing The Haunting?
1: No, are you going to tell me I'm what's really tell you. interesting about Robert Wise directing The Haunting? I am. It's one of the
0: best horror... F- well, it's ghost films, ghost stories, I suppose. Haunted house films ever made, in my opinion. But he made that film between The Sound of Music and West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> it just between him, he just went, Ah, yeah, I it, let's make a horror film. Um, kind of odd. But, uh, yeah, that, it appears to me that William Castle made a remake of The Old, old Dark House. So there you go. Yes, he did. He remade the Old Dark House. Why have I not
1: seen this? I might have to check that out and see if it's uh, any good. The title's just making me think of the uh, the children's book, The Skeletons. Skeletons. Yes, the and skeleton. a dark, dark, oh, night and a dark, down dark, dark, dark street. street. Dark street. Lived some skelly bobs. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I've just realised something
0: about the Old Dark House here as well. I did not know this. And it's very, very apt considering we're in Bradford. It's, it was based on a novel by J.B. Priestley. Ah. So there you go. There we go. That's quite interesting. If you
1: don't know who he is, then look him up and read something for once. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, we we had um, Roger Corman's
0: version of The Raven, um, not the same Raven as before, a different Raven. Um, and this film for me is brilliant, just because. Well, two reasons. One, it stars Vincent Price, Peter Laurie and Boris Karloff. And second, they have a wizard fight at the end of the film using magic. It's Why amazing. Haven't I seen this? You need to see it. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's it's bloody really brilliant. Um, is
1: it? It's is Vincent Price in the main. Role, isn't yes, it? Yeah. he's one of the
0: wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all, all sort of share the role in it. Um, it's your main roles in it, as it were. But it's about yeah, it's about wizards, and it's all very, it's all very odd. Ah, uh, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. I watched that last night. Curse of the Mummy's Tomb from 1964. That's a good film. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Oh no, I was wrong about Vincent Price. The last Man on Earth was 1963. That is a very very good film, and it is public domain, so there's no. No excuses. Yeah.
1: Uh, should we explain a bit of the, about The Last Man on Earth in case people don't know? What? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, The Last Man on Earth based
0: on I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, which was a short story he wrote, which was then remade as... Uh, the Omega Man. And that was remade as... Uh, was it I Am Legend then? Yes. Yes, yeah. And sir. then and the Asylum Pictures went and did um, I Am Omega at <laughs> the same time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Richard, Richard Matheson wrote some amazing short stories. He's yeah, like,
1: but, but I think um, that that whole premise of "I am Legend" was what led on to the old zombie apocalypse idea. Really, I mean, that, I that's it, was, it is yeah. a very early yeah version sort of, of that. I think I think the entire the, the, they're meant to
0: be sort of vampiric, aren't they? But
1: but it's that it's that thing yeah. of you're a human, yeah, and everyone else is. Fucking horrible, and they want to kill you. Yeah, um, and you've got to survive using your wits and your and your bravery and your Undo-
0: yeah. Und- undoubtedly,
1: it was. Undoubtedly, it
0: was. It was survivalist
1: um, fantasy. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I like um, I kind of like all versions of that story. I didn't mind. I am Legend, to be honest, it was all right. it Did some stuff all right. Who's all right?
1: There's a weird bit where he quotes Trek a lot.
0: Oh yeah, that's a it bit, bit
1: weird. Um, and the thing we got me with, I know i are skipping ahead, but the thing got me with I am Legend. I thought by Day it was an amazing film, right? It was stunning. Yeah, um, and then by night it was like Left for Dead, but with shit graphics.
0: Yeah, the, I was always really puzzled why they used so much CG in that yeah. film rather than actual actors. Um,
1: um, 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 <laughs> voices of all of them. Mike Patton, my fifth number. No, yes, Mike Patton how, did how, the, how the voices. How I forget his name? He yeah. did the
0: zombie noises in Left for Dead as well.
1: Oh, no, there, there was the link. Thing, yeah, so yeah. <laughs>
0: Kind of very <laughs> peculiar. Um, he does some very odd, odd, odd voice work every now and again. He did like the, the one of the the, the what was it called? Like the anger cube or something in Portal. Is, is
1: it? Is it called the anger? Cube? No, you, you have a companion cube. No, there's is this one. Anger which is, cube as yeah, well. Yeah, it's something oh, like, yeah, yeah, that. Something
0: like, yeah, yeah. And it's just him making screamy noises. And then he did the main <laughs> main voice for the the creature, of the darkness in the. What do you think down. he's
1: listed in people's address books as? You know, s- <laughs> screamy noisy man. Yeah, definitely definitely a screamy noisy man <laughs> ah here he is Patton right yeah
0: well let's just let's just quickly skip ahead through through the rest of the 60s just mention a couple of films well a couple of films that I think personally stand out um, and they're probably all going to be hammer horror films to be honest because we had uh, Dracula Prince of Darkness which was the uh, second Dracula yep. film uh, yet again by Terence Fisher I think he did most of the Dracula films I don't, he didn't do them all um but you did do most of them uh, Plague of the Zombies which is a film that hardly has any zombies in it yep uh, but I kind of like it um, it's got yet yeah, again got good atmosphere it's so, it's, a, it's a period piece which um, kind of suits it you don't see too many zombie period pieces really when you think about <laughs> it they always tend yeah. to be modern day Um, it's kind of interesting so you're thinking that see so if you can think of one I bet you
1: yeah can't. we saw a short film I think at the same Night of the Dead that was set in so, I think it was German or Russian or something, and it was about a guy who lived in this rural village who killed zombies. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But oh, I can't. Yeah. I, I I remember we thought it was quite good. It was only about ten minutes long, if that. But Might that was good. period because he used an old um, pellet firing pistol to kill them. And yeah. And things. yeah, yes. yes I want to don't. find
0: out what that was called. Now you've you've stared a memory yes mm, we'll find out um, Hammer had a good run in the in the 50s I mean sorry the 60s the late 50s and then the 60s um, this was sort of like their golden period really I'd say um, you've got like Quatermass in the Pit or Quatermass in the Pit I do yeah. apologise brilliant film the special effects are so shit but it's such a good film really 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 probably one of the best films Hammer did it. in fact a guy I yeah. work with says it's one of his favourite films um, of all time Um they did. Um, what else did they do? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, I've forgotten. Oh, Frankenstein uh, created woman. That was another Frankenstein film from the 60s. They did quite a lot of Frankenstein films in the 60s. But there we go. Um, and this is where Amicus started to come into the the fray with their um, portmanteau films. Um, they did Torch Garden at this, this point. Right. Most of them. Most of them starred um, Peter Cushing. I don't think he was in Torch Garden though. No, he wasn't. I might be wrong there. I don't think it was, um, but yeah, they were they were renowned for doing these sort of. If people don't know what Paul Mantell films is, it's basically um, anthology films. Like yeah, um, you get
1: your three stories within. Yeah, yeah, like
0: Creepshow and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, they did a fantastic. One of my favourites, which may well be, you know, in in the sixties, um, was uh, Doctor Terror's House of Horror. Yeah, which is brilliant. Um, it basically, it, it, it's it's in most cases, it was you know three, four, five stories, all linked together with a sort of uh, a plot strand between them, linking all yeah. of these these together. Um, in some cases, it worked really well. In some cases, so uh, not so well.
1: Much like the Simpsons Halloween specials. Yes, exactly. Which is where they've taken the, the idea from, is that portmanteau style. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what they did. Um, well, yeah, there's just too many films to talk about in the 60s, to be honest. Devil Rides Out is another amazing one by Hammer. Um, obviously, we got Night of the Living Dead yeah. um, in the late 60s. Um, I don't want to say a lot about this. It, uh, I, we should save
1: well I think because there's a there's a there's a uh, anniversary documentary coming out very soon um called uh oh I was looking at it on IMDb the other day but it's all about the making of Night of the Living Dead and the social context that it was made in right because Romero said quite openly that um it, it was he felt a little bit bitter that basically free love and everything hadn't worked so mm. he thought oh fuck it I'm gonna make an horrible film where yeah. society eats itself <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to, yes, do check it out. If nobody's, if you're listening and you haven't seen the original Night of the Living Dead, then you really need to correct that You've got no life.
0: excuse, it's public domain. You can find yeah. it on loads of websites, yeah. tons of websites. You can watch it on YouTube, in fact, it's there. On yeah, YouTube watching and I remember
1: the uproar about that at the time as well. Uh, people believing that widespread cannibalism was going to ensue yeah, as a yeah. result of the, um extras eating pig intestines and things on screen. Yeah, yeah. uh, the re- the, at, uh real awful, didn't it? Which yeah. Which
0: is kind of horrible. Well, we'll talk about Night of the Living Dead in great detail when we redo our zombie special. Redo? the last episode. I had the lost episode. Uh, the lost episode. <laughs> well, Ending the 60s was a film which pretty much pushed horror into the 70s. Um, for the better, I think. And that was uh, Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Which is... <laughs> unlike anything really that came before it in the 60s yeah uh, I think I really. think
1: it was the it was the first truly grown up mature intelligent horror film yeah in my eyes in my opinion yeah it was and it stands the test of time it's it's fantastic it is it it's, is it's is, it is, It's probably Roman
0: Polanski's best film i mm. he did do a lot he did do like Chinatown and things like that I suppose as well but, yeah. Yeah. yeah probably one of his best films it just it, it is the birth of modern horror I think it started with Rosemary's Baby in the late 60s and um, progressed throughout the, the next decade, I think. Yes. But you'll have to tune in next time to find out about that because uh, we've talked bollocks for too long. So join us next time when we will continue our journey through the vaults of horror with the 70s. Say goodbye, Ad. Goodbye. Ooh.